Xtalks connects professionals in the life science, medical device, and food industries with useful content like webinars, job openings, articles, and virtual meetings to help you succeed in your career. This Life Science Focus podcast brings together some of our editorial staff to share insights into the latest B2B industry news to keep you up to date. And today's episode is sponsored by Gilson. Looking to save time in the lab? At Gilson, we understand the pace of scientific discovery is moving faster than ever. That's why we offer a range of automated solutions, each designed with your experiment in mind and to save you time. From sample transfer to automated pipetting with PipetMax, Gilson has a solution for your application. Our dedicated worldwide customer support team is ready to help you get started. Whether that means setting up your pre-configured system or helping you write your own methods, Gilson is here to help. We work with you to find the right solution for your application and ensure the reliability of your data. Interested in learning how automation can boost your lab's productivity? Head to go.gilson.com automation to learn more or speak to an expert. That's go.gilson.com automation. Hello and welcome to the X-Talks Life Science Podcast. I'm Aisha Rashid, Senior Life Science Journalist at xtalks.com, and this week I'm delighted to introduce a very special guest on the show. Today we have with us Dr. Elmar Yura, who is the Associate Professor of Gynecology in the Department of Obstetrics and Gynecology at the Medical University of Vienna, who will speak to us about new HPV data from a study he led as principal investigator that shows the long-term impact of HPV vaccination. Merck recently announced new 10-year long-term follow-up data published in the journal Pediatrics for girls and boys who received a three-dose regimen of Gardasil 9 at the ages of 9 to 15 years old. Immunogenicity data from the study showed sustained HPV antibody responses 10 years after administration of the third dose in both boys and girls. Results also showed no cases of certain HPV-related high-grade disease or certain studied cancers or genital, genital warts. Additionally, no Gardasil 9-related serious adverse events or deaths were reported. HPV-related cancers and diseases remain a significant public health issue, with the CDC estimating that tens of thousands of people were diagnosed with certain HPV-related cancers each year from 2015 to 2019. To hear more about the latest long-term data for Gardasil, let's turn to Dr. Yura. Welcome to the show. Welcome. Thank you for having me there. Thank you so much. So, Dr. Yura, I want to ask um, if you could start off by telling us about HPV itself, the virus, and the types of cancers that it can cause. Well, HPV is a, a very old virus. It has been with us for millions of years, uh, almost unchanged, and um, almost each of us will uh, get an infection during lifetime. And the good thing is, most of the infections will disappear uh, and be cleared by our immune system. But a small fraction of persons uh, who contract an infection get a persistent infection uh, persisting for two or more years. And a part of those, uh, they would uh, develop cancer in long term. So without any screening, we would expect about 3% of all 
women and lesser men would get cancer at some point related to those uh, virus. The bad thing is we don't know who will be those 3%. So we have to protect everyone uh, to prevent these uh, cancer cases. And initially, uh, the vaccine has been developed to prevent cervical cancer. And WHO has also started a, a huge program for the elimination of cervical cancer. But by now we know that at least six different cancers are caused by HPV and we can potentially eliminate those in long term by vaccination. And speaking of vaccination, could you tell us more about the Gardasil vaccine uh, when it was developed <clears throat> and now we're at Gardasil 9, so that's the, the latest version of it. So could you tell us a bit more about that? Uh, yeah. In the 1990s, the first studies uh, started when uh, it was developed that there's the potential of the getting a vaccine uh, against human papillomavirus. And then it was established that uh, HPV infection is a prerequisite for almost all cases of cervical cancer. And uh, we were involved from the very beginning in the development and clinical trials using those vaccines. And the first generation of vaccines uh, was licensed in 2006. This was the quadrivalent vaccine. And then we were working hard to improve this already excellent vaccine. And in 2008, uh, 15, we got the license of the nine valent vaccine, which adds another five oncogenic types, which is especially important for the cervix. And with this vaccine, we have the potential to eliminate almost 90% or to prevent almost 90% of cases of cervical cancer and other HPV related cancers. And it's now three years ago that we got the first proof from Sweden, looking at the whole Swedish female population, that those being vaccinated have a 90% reduction of cases with invasive cancer. So now we know this vaccine really prevents cancer and this is great news for all of us. Indeed. And so could you talk us talk to us about the exciting new data from uh, the long-term Gardasil study that you uh, helped lead? Uh, yeah, these data are indeed exciting because uh, the main efficacy study uh, was done in young women aged 16 to 26. Why was this age range chosen? Because then you start to get infections and also disease. So we needed to look at population with disease. But meanwhile, 17 years after the start with the first vaccine, we know the earlier you vaccinate, the better is the effect for the population. And this is the reason why Austria and other countries want to vaccinate as early as nine to 10 years to get most effect out of this. And also uh, studies looking at the immunogenicity in children were started 10 years ago. And these uh, boys and girls were followed. And meanwhile, they came into the age of uh, 16, 18, 20 years. And 
uh, they start developing infections or disease. And so we had the great opportunity to observe if they have long-term antibodies uh, caused by the vaccination and if they develop disease. And the good thing is, so they were vaccinated at the right time, early, and after 10 years, uh, they hardly ever had any infection or disease caused uh, by HPV. So we know it's immunogenic, so we see the antibodies in the blood serum and they also do not uh, develop disease. And we have data from adult women from the Nordic countries. They were followed since 2002 that uh, the efficacy of the vaccine is very sustained. So close to 20 years, there was no breakthrough disease. So we can expect a very long duration and now it has been proved in the younger population. Excellent. And uh, so right now, what ages is the vaccine recommended for? Uh, the vaccine is in general licensed from the ninth birthday. And there's a variation among countries. Some like Austria give it at the age of nine, some start at the age of 11. Uh, but it's important that you should uh, basically start before you're 12, 13, because then puberty starts and uh, the kids get interest in some activities which might lead to sex at some point. So we don't know exactly when this happens. And uh, like the safety belt, so you should uh, apply the safety belt before you start your journey and not in between. And it's the same with vaccination. So you should uh, get vaccinated before you start with the risk. And uh, the major risk is uh, exposure in your sexual life. It's not the only cause. So you can also get uh, infected by close skin contact, or you can have a transmission from the mother to the newborn. But uh, the, the most important transmission is uh, within sexual activities. And so the earlier, the better for the vaccine. And uh, but I do know that um, people can be vaccinated into their 40s. So how does that work? So is, is it licensed or is it recommended um, as late as that? Um the earlier the better but on the other hand it's never too late so you always get your benefit and at any age the vaccine prevents new infections and subsequent disease and uh, in europe for instance we don't have any upper age limit in the license so we can give it at any age from the age of nine in the us you uh, still have the limit of 45 uh, but it's again uh, going back to the safety belt. So when you start a journey and you realize, oh, I forgot to use the safety belt, then you could say, well, I go for the rest of the journey without the safety belt, or you simply apply it then, then the rest of the journey is just safer. And yeah, with this model, it's quite clear why you should also vaccinate later when you have missed 
the optimal time of vaccination, which is early. And initially, um, as you mentioned, the, the vaccine was um, not developed, but more so studied and targeted towards cervical cancer. But as we know, HPV causes a whole host of other cancers. And so that's why boys are also now, um, it's recommended for boys as well. So could you speak to us about that? Because a lot of people may not be aware um, that this vaccine is also for boys, for boys as well, and males, and why that's so? Yeah, uh, that's quite an important topic. So boys should be vaccinated for various reasons. So the most important one is that uh, a subset of oropharyngeal cancers, or cancer of the throat, in males is uh, dramatically increasing. And in the US, it's all it has already surpassed the incidence of cervical cancer in women. And this cancer is related uh, to HPV 16. And uh, probably all know Michael Douglas has disclosed that he had disease from HPV uh, 16 uh, in, in the throat. So he's the best known example. And uh, this uh, is a disease with a great morbidity. So the treatment is just awful. So regarding survival, it's not bad, but regarding the side effects of treatment, it's just uh, terrible. And then uh, men can also get anal cancer, penile cancer, genital warts. So a lot of disease is around which is uh, preventable. And of course, with a gender neutral vaccination, we can double the vaccine coverage rate. And the more people in the population are vaccinated, the less virus can circulate in the population. And that's another reason why it's so important to vaccinate boys, because especially in countries with an suboptimal uh, vaccine coverage and most of the countries um, have not a perfect coverage. Uh, it's Austria, the US. Uh, there's only a few countries like Australia who are perfect, but the US certainly isn't. And with uh, the gender neutral vaccination, you can simply improve the coverage in the whole population and get effects also for the non vaccinated. Absolutely. And uh, you brought up the uh, about uh, vaccination coverage. And, and so how many doses is the vaccine? And how does that relate to um, vaccine coverage, like you mentioned, in terms of uh, the uptake of the vaccine in countries apart from the US, um, Canada, Austria, Australia? Um, how is it in de in developing countries and how are there, I, as you mentioned, also the WHO has a, has a campaign around uh, eliminating cervical cancer. So how, how does that all play into that in terms of the context of vaccine uptake in other parts of the world? Yeah, that, that's an exciting development. So uh, initially, uh, the vaccine was designed for three shots. So... Uh, prime with two shots and then giving a boost uh, a few months later. 
like for most of the other vaccines. And then um, there was a, a study performed in Canada, which clearly demonstrated with two shots six months apart, you get the same effect as with three shots. And this uh, led to the situation that many countries soon changed to two doses and it's now licensed up to the age of 14 for two doses. Uh, but we also have data from India up to the age of 18 that two doses give quite a robust protection and it's much easier in a program um, to administer two doses instead of three doses. Three doses is always a bit complicated. And meanwhile, we also have some promising data that uh, even one dose uh, gives a good protection. Uh, the only thing is we don't know how long this protection will last because we are convinced that the booster does something with the immune system and the cellular immunity. So it improves the protection. And there are countries now, a low resource country, but also Australia, with an excellent coverage of the vaccine, who moved to a one dose schedule. But uh, looking at all the data we have available, um, we don't think that it's a great idea for every country and we should rather stick uh, to two doses until we get more data with a one dose schedule. Certainly we can be optimistic and for low resource country it's a great opportunity and we know we already get a good protection but the duration of the protection is the big question mark. And so are those the types of things that you're evaluating in um, in this study and uh, that other studies are also looking at? So Yeah, there, there's a lot of going on. So uh, there are uh, studies uh, run by the manufacturer evaluating various things. There are population-based studies in, in the Nordic countries, in other countries where we get real life data, which is even more important because in study you always have the perfect setting, but we need to know how things work in real life. And these real life data are really convincing. And in general, the results um, are always better than we even expect them. So uh, it's, it's quite exciting seeing the development from uh, the first vaccine in 2006 and how many data we have gained meanwhile. Thank you very much, Dr. Yura, for being on the show today. I greatly appreciate your time. Okay, thank you. That's the end of this episode of the X Talks Life Science Podcast. If you liked today's show, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thank you, everyone, and see you next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to the X Talks Life Science Podcast. If you enjoyed our discussions today, please share the episode with your friends and colleagues and be sure to subscribe in order to be notified when a new episode is released. To join in on the discussion, you can find X Talks on social media, email podcast at xtalks.com or comment on the articles directly. Links are in the show description. Take a moment to join our community at xtalks.com to get access to everything we have to offer, including webinars, job listings, virtual meetings, articles, and more. 
the views and opinions expressed in the podcast are those of the speakers sharing them. They should not be taken as professional advice and do not necessarily reflect the policy or position Honeycomb Worldwide. For further information, email us at podcast at xtalks.com. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you next week.